podcasts are for closers. Capiche? Welcome to the St. Canard Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. We're your hosts, Mike Russo and... Tiffany Silverbron. We missed you last week, Tiff. Yep, I'm back. <laughs> it was nice to have Stan back for the last issue. Um, we'll see him again next couple of weeks. He really wants to be on the next two issues, so we're getting Stan back. The three of us will be doing a couple of issues together. That should be fun. Um, but hey, welcome back. Um, again, I'm sorry we missed a few a few weeks, but um, we've both been super busy. Tiff, what have you been up to? Um, so this is my birthday month, my 40th birthday month. Happy birthday to you. Happy <laughs> birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Tiffany. Happy birthday to you. Yay. <laughs> 40, that's a big one. Yep. So I went on a little, my first trip for my birthday, which was to San Diego for Tiki Oasis, which is one of my favorite events of the year. <laughs> cool. Yep. And yeah, it's like a, you know, mid-century sort of get together with like tiki culture and drinks and um, memorabilia. Super fun. Nice. I'm glad a you had a good time. Yeah. A lot of people that go are obsessed with tiki mugs. That's like a really big thing that people collect. And I actually am not into that at all. My thing is swizzle sticks. <laughs> Have you and ever been to Swizzle Land? No. <laughs> oh, no, that was a DuckTales episode. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, I actually got two. I got one. I got two Disney ones. I got one from the 60s for the T Enchanted Tiki Garden. Nice. And I got one of from uh, Club 33. <laughs> oh, cool. Wherever, Whenever I go somewhere, I buy magnets, which is, I, I guess, a lot easier than buying uh, swizzle sticks. <laughs> I'm sure those yep. aren't as easily accessible. Yep. <laughs> but still, cool thing to collect. That's different. Yeah, it's pretty fun. <laughs> There's a lot of people into that, too, actually. I'm sure. I'm sure. There's a lot of people into everything, you know, all, yeah. all different stuff. <laughs> um, what, what else have you been up to? Like, what else did you do on the trip? Um, hmm... Not much. That's pretty much the only place we went to. I got to visit friends because I'm from Southern California. So it was nice right. to actually like on our way, go to LA and see some of my friends. And then on the way back, got to see them again. <laughs> nice. I'm glad you had a good time. Yeah. I mean, it's summer. I mean, yeah, it's your birthday, but it's also summer. You got to go somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we went somewhere too. We went to Tennessee uh, in July it was a very last-minute trip. Uh, my wife wanted to see her best friend who moved uh, down there after, right before the pandemic, and she hadn't seen her since. So she, um, she, we went down there. We drove, and it was it was fun. Uh, we went to Dollywood. Nice. And <laughs> yeah, that was a very last-minute decision, like the night of, and we weren't even sure if we were definitely going to do that till the morning of. Um, but it was fun. I mean, it's no Disney. I mean, few things are. But I had lots of rides that Helena really enjoyed. And it, it was clean. It was nice. It just, it was a nice environment. It wasn't, like, crazy expensive. The lines weren't long. And, you know, we didn't do a lot, but the stuff we rode was fun. You know, so it was a good time. It was nice to get away for a week. 
Yeah. yeah. It was nice to go somewhere. If I had taken the week off and was prepared to do nothing. And then like the week before my wife's like, I want to go to Tennessee. <laughs> and I'm like, I have no answer for you. Like, oh, okay. If you <laughs> want to, I got to think about that. And then the next day I'm like, yeah, we can go. She's like, yeah, I already booked the, booked the hotel. I'm like, okay. Um, so we went and just Talina was good in the car. You know, it's a long drive, but we went to an aquarium because we always go. If we go somewhere new, we go to an aquarium every single time. <laughs> uh, Liz and Helena love fish, so we always are checking that stuff out. Aww. It was a good, it was a good trip. Um, I hope we can do it again sometime. Uh, I'd like to go to the Godzilla Convention G Fest next summer. It's been a few years since I've done that. I really want to go to Disney World, but yeah, expensive. It's just... I'm trying to do Disney World for the first time too. <laughs> I think I think they've finally officially priced me out. I used to be able to afford it. <laughs> I even stayed at the Polynesian before. I have a friend who's going later this month. Um, but I, I don't know. I really want to go. And Helena's been begging. But it's just, it's Aww. kind of, kind of out of our price range now. It's a shame. It's like, I love Disney, but I also hate them for this kind of thing. <laughs> no, damn you, Bob Chapek. <laughs> um, and it was affordable and doable before the pandemic and we almost went and then they reopened the prices went up and then they have the genie plus thing and it's just it's they, so different now do they have discounts at um disney world because they always have like california resident discounts at disneyland and i don't think they've been very kind to residents and annual pass holders right lately mm. i don't think they have been like um, when my friends booked their trip for later this month, my friend's wife was like, so Mike, what would you recommend we do? I'm like, hey, I don't even know anymore. I'm like, so much has changed. I couldn't even tell you how to go about planning your trip. Wow. But um, I hope we get there sooner or later before it gets even more expensive. What are you going to do? Yeah, I got to um, go. Kids are young. <laughs> uh, watch anything new lately? Um... I don't think so. I did watch that Beavis and Butthead movie. <laughs> What'd you think? I really liked it. I, I oh, thought, good. Yeah, Smart Beavis and Smart Butthead were hilarious. <laughs> A new season just dropped last week, but I actually haven't started watching it yet. I only watched the preview with the fire guy. It's not a show I can just turn on. Like, everybody has to be in bed for, like, Beavis and Butthead or South Park. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I really haven't watched too much lately myself. Nothing brand new. Um, yeah, same here. I've been watching news on the Tiny Toon Adventures reboot. <laughs> I am not happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, my own feeling about it, I'm so thankful that every time they do something with Darkwing, they always involve Tad in some way because it's his creation. You know, whether it be the new DuckTales or the comics, he's always at least a consultant or he's like, they at least talk to him. He's involved in some way. But 
I don't like how Steven Spielberg is running around acting like he created Tiny Toons and Animaniacs, and they have not involved Tom Ruger or any of his writers or directors at all in any of this. Yeah, hasn't he been responding like negatively? He's he's not happy with Spielberg or the shows because that he created them, and we got Spielberg running around saying the reboots are better. Yeah, and it's almost like, <laughs> dude, you didn't create any of this stuff, and it just. And the Animaniacs reboot left a bad taste in my mouth, even though it was kind of close to the old show. But Tiny Toons, I think, is going to be something else entirely. They're not not bringing back the the original cast at all. Yeah, so I was going to say, like, new cast and Babs and Buster are twins now. (laughs) I mean, the whole joke was no relation. That was like a major catchphrase. I know. (laughs) I, I understand changing characters to be more diverse and you know representation matters so if you want to change the characters a bit i know um a person of color is voicing babs and i'm fine with that if they're not bringing back tress you can do that i'm fine with that but they're not their siblings like tell me what story purpose that's for i mean maybe they want to bring in a new like love interest for one of them or something or but what's weird is to me is that they have fifi (laughs) Even though Pepe Le Pew's canceled. I guess it's okay when the genders are reversed. Is it though? I don't I, think it's it it's really not, because Miss Piggy's gotten some crap in the last few years about how yeah. she treats Kermit. So yeah. I I doubt she'll act anything like the way she used to. And I doubt I doubt Shirley will be anything like uh Shirley McLean either. She will not be a ditz. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I think Mar- I think Elmira might not even be in it. Oh yeah, that was slightly problematic too <laughs> yeah um and also i don't know how the hell you're doing tiny tunes without joe alasky wait who joe alasky he voiced plucky oh and then he became like the permanent voice for daffy duck before he yeah. died yeah and joe alasky is the whole reason why tiny tunes was even funny yeah, but also he he's dead who's what him did they know okay no. He's dead. Don Messick, who played Hampton, is dead. And we know they're not bringing back Tress. Charlie Adler doesn't want anything to do with Tiny Toons since he quit it all those years ago. So, like, there isn't even a voice cast to bring back. Yeah. So, like, what's the point of this? Anyway, anyway, I'm, I'll watch it out of curiosity, just like I'm going to watch Animaniacs Season 3 out of curiosity. I hear they're bringing Slappy Squirrel back, finally. <laughs> um... But you know what? Let's see how Darkwing turns out. The fact yeah. that Tad is a consultant on it, you know, at least that alleviates some fears. We'll see how it goes. I just re- I feel really bad for Tom Ruger though, because that's yeah. gotta that's gotta hurt. That's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, let's move on to the comic. Uh, today we're talking about issue four of Joe Books' Darkwing Duck comic. This issue was titled, and actually I'll have to go back to the title because I don't remember what it was. It was A Midsummer's Nat Spree. Yep. <laughs> okay, which is obviously, that's, that's, that's Shakespeare. A Midsummer's Night Dream. Have you, you've read that, right? Yeah, in like high school. <laughs> yeah, me too. I think it might have been the Shakespeare play I enjoyed reading the most just because it was so light. Mm-hmm. I feel like, the way they force Shakespeare on high schoolers is why <laughs> high schoolers hate Shakespeare. 
Yeah, totally. They're never able to like enjoy it and find it on their own. They are they're for it's forced on them in high school. Yeah, that's like a lot of those books. Maybe I would have like found it on my own later in life. Maybe I would have enjoyed it. Of course, knowing myself, probably not. But I I actively dislike it because just high school left a bad taste in my mouth for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the most the book that I hated the most in high school, which I always wanted to revisit and see if as an adult if I liked it more, was Tuck Everlasting. Ah, <laughs> uh, so the one book that stands out in my mind was Catcher in the Rye. That you hated. That I actually enjoyed. I wonder if I enjoyed it as a cynical oh. adult. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm a very cynical adult. I wonder if I would like it now. Yeah. And <laughs> I liked I liked um, I liked uh, Streetcar. Streetcar Named Desire, oh, yeah. mainly because I plugged the Simpson characters into the roles. <laughs> Streetcar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know that New Orleans was very upset with that episode. <laughs> if you want to go to hell, you can take a trip to the Sodom and Gomorrah on the Mississippi. It's, it's oh. time I watch the movie. All I can think about is the Simpsons episode. <laughs> uh, so here we go. This is... <laughs> this issue came out July uh, 2016. Uh, Tiffany, I like this cover. Tell us about what the cover looks like. All right. So it's a, a big brick wall, and you got Darkwing and Goslin holding Darkwing's arm, looking terrified. And um, you see a big, giant shadow. And inside of the shadow, you see... Um, well, you see eyes, and then you also see letters that say, can Darkwing Duck defeat the most powerful villain of all? Question mark. When, I, when I first saw this cover, I thought the villain was Lilliput because yeah. of the dealy bobbers on the head. Totally. <laughs> well, obviously, it's not Lilliput. Um, some trivia I have about this cover from tweets. Uh, I believe James Salvani was tweeted back when this first came out. The initial cover, apparently, Darkwing was supposed to be holding his gas guns. And they made them take it off the cover because they didn't want the guns on the cover. Mm. And another cover was rejected because Launchpad was there. Have you noticed Launchpad is not on any Joe Books cover? Huh. Weird. There's a reason. It was a Disney mandate to not confuse the brand with the new DuckTales, which hadn't even come oh. out yet. Crazy. This, was, this comic was canceled before DuckTales even started. Aww. <laughs> but that's why Duck, uh, that's why Launchpad is not on any of the covers on this. So he was on the cover. Darkwing had his gas guns, and all that had to go. It's still a cool cover. Yeah. Not my favorite of the Joe Books cover, but it's still a cool cover. And since this is a brand new villain, it does definitely builds up some mystery. Yeah. All right. So we're starting pretty much just like the show i'm gonna say up front i think out of all the darkwing duck issues for across this and boom i think this taken by itself as one issue one story is truest to the entire show than anything else that's ever been done with darkwing yeah. duck in comics yeah like it has a beginning it has a middle it has an end even though it slightly references uh, the, the bigger like world of darkwing comics it's still very standalone yeah. I think this might be my favorite single Joe Books issue. The story of Orange is a New Purple, I prefer because it just got so much in it. But this as an issue, I think is near perfect. 
Agreed. <laughs> so let's start, Tiff. What 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 happens at the start of this issue? So you see Darkwing on the tower and he poofs in <laughs> and says, I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the ice cream in the a la mode of justice. Nice. <laughs> I am Darkwing Duck. And you hear a alarm on the other side of the city. And he rushes away to see what it is. And I am needed on the other side of the city, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's great, just like the show. <laughs> you can hear Jim Cummings. You can. It's it's just it's just how it is with these comics. You can hear all the characters. Um, so we cut to a jewelry store, very bland um, name, jewelry exchange. <laughs> yeah, no joke there. <laughs> Although um, the, the the signs say customer parking only, but right underneath it says no parking anytime. <laughs> yeah. So way to be confusing. <laughs> so two policemen enter the jewelry store. There's broken glass everywhere. And the safe is moving by itself. The one policeman picks up the safe and there's a tiny bug underneath it. And I feel like the skinny cop probably sounds like the one from Let's Get Respectable who had that like high-pitched voice. <laughs> Ew, <laughs> a bug. I hate <laughs> bugs. <laughs> uh, what happens when this cop goes to step on it? Then you just see an outside view of him getting severely beat up and thrown out of the window of the jewelry store. Both of them do. Yep. So um, this issue actually kind of has more Disney references than we've been used to lately. Uh, the one cop is laying in a heap. He's got like crazy crisscross eyes. He's buck teeth. And the female cop, who who is fine, she wasn't in the building, she asked them if they're all right. And the cop says, look, Raul, tweeting birds. <laughs> Tiff, explain the reference. Um, it's from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's yep. a little mixed up because he says, look, Raul, stars, because that's what he's trying to make is stars. But mm -hmm. the first time he gets hit on his head is birds. Roger, and what are those? Tweeting, tweeting birds? birds. <laughs> <laughs> look, Raul, stars. Ready when you are, Raul. <laughs> I have to revisit Roger Rabbit. I mean, I have the movie close to memorized, but yeah. I love watching it. I really do. So good. <laughs> so our villain arrives, and it is not a villain we've ever seen before. It's something brand new, and I'm going to say I think it might be my favorite out of the original Silvani Sparrow villains we've gotten. Yeah. Um, who is our villain? He is your worst nightmare, of course. <laughs> So this villain's a tiny, tiny bug with a helmet and, you know, costume, crazy, crazy spiraling red eyes. Yeah. He's Natmare. Um, okay, so a few things about this character. Do you want to hear what his original name was going to be? What's that? Juggernaut. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Take a guess why they yeah, didn't use that, that name. <laughs> I can see that for sure with the helmet. His alternate name was going to be Buzzkill. <laughs> but I think Natmare is fine. Yeah, it's good. My other um, other interesting bit of info about Natmare, when Silvani and Sparrow were on a podcast a couple of years ago, I believe it was the Disney Marvels podcast, 
they were asked, what voice do you hear in your head for Natmare? And they had a definitive answer for who they patterned his speech after. Joe Pesci. Whoa, nice. Which means, which means if this issue was an episode of the cartoon from 1992, they would have gotten Chick Panera. A hundred percent they would have gotten Chick Panera. So whenever I read this comic, I just think Pesto from Animaniacs in my head. Yeah. Because he does a really great Pesci. And they wouldn't have gotten Pesci on the show. They couldn't have afforded that. <laughs> um, so Darkwing shows up again. He gets another entrance. I think he gets three of them in this issue. Um, he says, I am the terror that flaps in the night. And the female police officer reminds him it's dawn. So Darkwing <laughs> says, quiet you. And he says, I am the annoying shopper paying with a bag of pennies. And then he realizes there's no villain. <clears throat> and then he gets the crap beaten out of him by Natmare. Very, very much like the show. Yeah. What does Natmare do to him? Um, he hits him with a bag of money, I'm guessing. <laughs> Must be, yeah. And then um, Darkwing tries to shoot his gas gun at him, and he hits it right back at him. And then he takes the safe, throws the safe at him, and uh, Darkwing tries to shoot him with a net, and he just flies right through, and he slams the safe door on his face. <laughs> All within two pages, a page and yep. a half. So a lot of action, a lot of very cartoony action. Yeah. And the drawing of Darkwing in the safe before Natmare slams it in his face. <laughs> like, Silvani's really mastered goofy Darkwing drawings. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's found his own voice with how the character's drawn most of the time. Like, he doesn't quite look like the show anymore, but when he goes goofy with it, it's very true to the show. So here we are in the Mallard household. We have Goslin, we have Honker. They've been playing hockey in the house, clearly. <laughs> and even though we don't see Derp Derpson anymore, they're still trying to make... um. Dip Dops in a thing. Yeah. He's reporting on the whole situation, adding his commentary that the villain's so small, people think <laughs> it was all made up. Yep. <laughs> and we do have, like I mentioned, a little bit of Disney reference. In the background is a um, a painting. The face is somewhat obscured by Honker's hockey stick, but who is that? Uh, feathery. Right before a whole legion of Disney fans found out who this was via DuckTales. Yep. <laughs> Nobody knew who Feathery was, if, unless they read the comics before comic DuckTales. Yeah. yeah. So Darkwing and Launchpad show up in the re spinning easy chairs. Uh, Darkwing is still in the safe. <laughs> so what happens next? Well, Launchpad says if he puts a hat on it, maybe no one will know it. Um, and they get the jaws of life and take them out. Uh, Goslin... Um, or, wait, I'm confused. <laughs> Goslin's confused about why Darkwing oh. could get beat up by a little bug. Yeah. But Darkwing <laughs> says it's the probably the toughest villain he's ever faced. Yeah, and he says he doesn't know anything about him. He just mm -hmm. wants to stairs and take a bath before the swelling <laughs> um, sets in. And this is funny, because we didn't, just recently we talked about these kind of things happening to Darkwing. Um, he, he heads up the stairs, and the swelling sets in immediately. <laughs> yeah. He balloons up. With his tongue sticking out of his mouth. <laughs> he got these chunky fingers. <laughs> Funny drawing. Yeah. We 
you know, we don't get enough of that sort of humor in the comics, which I'm fine with, but every so often, it's good. So Goslin has a plan. Um, one of my favorite things about the show involving Goslin is whenever she disobeys her father and justifies it to Honker. <laughs> every single time on the show, <laughs> my dad sent me in my room, but he didn't say stay. Yeah. <laughs> um, she says here, Honker... If dad didn't want me in here unsupervised, he wouldn't have left his fingerprints on the soda can. <laughs> um, so they're in the tower uh, looking for something. We see a ton of references to Darkwing villains. I guess Darkwing has a collection of items from his past. Like the what old do... school Batcave. Yeah, what do we see? So we see Negaduck's chainsaw, um, Lilliput's helmet, Tuscanini's hat, um, Suff Rage's uh, helmet, um, Mr. Banana Brain, and wait, what, I don't know what that last one is. An Which egg? One? A pearl? It, it looks like a pearl, but I don't know what that's from. Yeah. Um, so a random egg or a pearl. <laughs> and Goslin grabs the helmet of Bianca Beagley, a.k.a. the Bugmaster. Mm-hmm. We see a few more things in the next panel, including the Tron yeah. Splitter... Splatter Phoenix's paintbrush, a giant water bottle. Must have something to do with Liquidator. Oh, it's probably the costume of one of those dancing girls. <laughs> yes, a potted plant um, and one-shot's coat. Yep. Oh, and Paddywhack's jack-in-the-box. Where's that? Lower right-hand corner. Oh, yeah. Subtle. <laughs> Very subtle. So we get some Muddlefoot fun in this ep in this issue. Almost called it an episode. Uh, Drake stops by to find out where Honker and Goslin are. Uh, they aren't there. Uh, we get Herb in a goldfish Hawaiian <laughs> shirt. I wonder if Pepperidge Farm knows he's wearing that. <laughs> yeah, it very specifically looks like the crackers, not the actual fish. <laughs> he mentions they're going inside to see tomorrow. He's gonna go. He wants them to see the Pelicans Island finale. So I guess that show's finally ending. And he hopes that it's not disappointing. <laughs> uh, Which is funny if you know Gilligan's Island. <laughs> they had to make a TV movie years later just to get those guys off the island. Yep. <laughs> um, few more Disney references. I can't believe we're back to saying that. Um, they have some lawn flamingos. Those are absolutely the flamingos from Alice in Wonderland, the croquet sticks. Yep. And also the roses are red, so that's like a double reference. <laughs> There's also a garden gnome of Bongo from Fun and Fancy Free. That's awesome. And of course, we get a reference to life, the negaverse, and everything, because Darkwing says, I hate the muddlefoots. <laughs> but yep. plot stuff happens here. What's the plot stuff? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, Drake has no interest in that, and then in watching the Pelican Island <laughs> finale. And uh, Launchpad pulls up on his iPad that Goslin or that somebody stole the Bugmaster's helmet, and they're trying to figure out who it is, and they guess Goslin. Yep. Speaking of Goslin, they are on the tallest building in town, and she, you know, she wants it for scanning range. She puts the helmet on, and immediately she's able to read the mind of every single bug. I yep. wonder how they would have done this in animation. I know. <laughs> it's a little it's a little clunky here. 
But I guess it's something you'd have to animate for it to really read properly. Yeah. Probably look like a Cerebro. <laughs> mm, probably. Something like that. Um, but she takes a deep breath and focuses only on Natmare, which allows us to get his origin story. Which and, is which is great. Oh my gosh, the little him as a normal Nat is the cutest thing ever. <laughs> he looks so sad. I know. People are I trying to him. swat him away. Yeah. He has I a job him. as a shoe shine boy. Um, the character he's whose shoes he's shining is actually pretty familiar for Disney fans. Uh, that's Fidget from the Great Mouse Detective. Yep. In, in like a uh, pinstripe suit, but it's Fidget <laughs> for sure. He's, a, he's yeah. a gimpy bat with a broken wing. Um, so anyway, a bigger cameo comes with Steelbeak. And this is fantastic. Uh, yeah. This In one page, Steelbeak is more in character than he ever was during Foul Disposition. <laughs> and I'm going to read some of his dialogue because it's so perfect. So please bear with me. He's setting up this um, array. It's called the Maybeam, which is highly experimental. He has one of his Eggmen hooked up to it, and there's a giant sub sandwich on the table next to him. He says, all right, which one of you mooks want to be the first to test out the fowl's highly experimental, mostly theoretical, likely unreliable, possibly homicidal Maybeam, guaranteed to give you superpowers, or we send your widow a lovely fruit basket. Very steel beak. <laughs> um, I can hear, I, I cannot do yeah. a good Rob Paulson to save my life. No, who, nobody could. But he says, hey, speaking of fruit, no one touches the craft services table till they get zapped with the beam. Capiche? And then he closes with, party subs are for closers. <laughs> and like every single syllable of that, I hear Paulson. Yeah. Beautifully yeah. done. Perfect. And varying character for Steelbeak. The Maybeam kills the Eggman. <laughs> like, literally kills him. And Steelbeak laughs. He makes a bad pun and then laughs. And the drawings of the petrified Eggman are so funny. <laughs> yeah. And the dead one is just a helmet in a pile of ash. <laughs> really, really great. I could even hear him laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so what is, what happened? So what truly is um nightmare's origin tiff so steel beak well one when this is happening you see the little gnat and he's like drooling over the sandwich that's on the table and he right. lands on top of it and steel beak notices that he's there and takes a rolled up newspaper and goes to hit him and in the commotion of trying to kill him the maybeam goes off and then Nat flies in the beam of the Maybeam. <laughs> and it explodes. And then Steelbeak is all burnt. And he says, what do you mean, Ma? It is a smoking jacket. <laughs> before he passes out. <laughs> yeah. Then so you, see, uh, you see the little bug transformed. He's like buff now with like a ripped shirt. And he's super powerful. And by now, the uh, the present-day Natmare realizes what's going on, and he forces Goslin out of his head. Yeah. And then immediately zooms to the Quackworks building, because that's where they are, Goslin and Honker. Flies right up through it, 
bursts out of the roof. And before he's able to fight them, Darkwing and Launchpad show up and save the kids. Yep, super quick, scoop them up with a rope. <laughs> Excellent entrance, Darkwing. And then Darkwing gets his butt kicked again. <laughs> yeah, like, again. really badly. Awesome cartoon action. Well, Natmare throws him into like four heating ducts and he pings around them like a uh, pinball machine. Yeah. And I, I totally yeah. hear the exact same pinball sound effects they played during um, Battle of the Brain Teasers when the spaceship was hitting all the planets. I hear that same sound effect. <laughs> yeah. And then like, you get a put out the Darkwing moment. <laughs> yeah, when I when I read these in my head, like even the sound effects, I try to make them as authentic to the show. Yeah. As possible. Like, I want my reading experience to totally mirror the sh the show. And the writing is so good, it's really easy. But Darkwing, yeah, has the bejesus beaten out of him and is thrown all the way right into the hideout. Leaving a Darkwing-shaped hole in the wall. Very convenient, yeah. <laughs> so what happens? Yeah, what happens next? So Goslin's wrapping Darkwing up in bandages. And By the way, Honker's gone. He doesn't come back. Oh, weird. <laughs> um, so they're trying to figure out what to do. Um... And Launchpad makes a comment and says, yeah, DW, from what I've learned, he doesn't sound too bright. And then um, Darkwing gets an idea, jumps out of all of his bandages. and uh, See, when Goslin falls off, what does she say? <laughs> Whack. <laughs> That's what the nephews always said in the DuckTales comics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whack. I don't, well, how was that supposed to even... Is that like a quack? <laughs> Like, I've never understood, I, like, what, what whack represents. Like, are the nephews <laughs> quacking in the comics when they do that? I think so. That's what it's supposed to imply. It's weird when it's Goslin, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Darkwing gets ready to go, and you see that he stops by the St. Canard Penitentiary. Which, um... He says he's going to team up with one of the villains there, and Goslin makes a comment like, do you think the, you think the warden's going to be mad when you break a bad guy out of the prison so soon after what happens? Notice there's an asterisk at the end of her dialogue, yeah. but there's no little box saying that she's referencing those issues. Doesn't it? Not in this, not what I'm reading. It says Darkwing quashed Negadex massive prison break last issue. No way. That's not in the trade paperback. Whoa, really? What are you reading it on? Uh, in the individual issue. It's not in the paperback. Weird. Maybe because those issues are in the paperback, so they figure if you've gotten this far, you've already read it. <laughs> yeah. So obviously they're talking about they're talking to Megavolt, um, who has written so well. I mean, it's a guest appearance, but he's written great. Uh, so Darkwing bribes him by telling him he'll give him a subscription to alternating circuits monthly. Currents. <laughs> alternating currents monthly that has sexy centerfolds of the Hadron Collider. <laughs> I don't know. If I was Megavolt, that centerfold does look pretty sexy. <laughs> and he also tells Megavolt that he'll take five... Five years off his six life sentences, and Megavolt yeah. <laughs> Megavolt barters him barters him down somehow to seven. In true Megavolt ridiculousness. 
Like, what is seven years in the grand scheme of six life sentences? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Megavolt calls him a sucker. <laughs> uh, next scene, they're all in the Thunderquack. Megavolt's wearing his, com- completely wearing his getup. I guess the bribe was good enough that he's not attacking them, even though he probably could. <laughs> yeah. That's probably why he went to Megavolt, though, because he knew that he wouldn't quite be all there or understand. <laughs> right. And they've, they've teamed up before. Yeah. I still want to know how the end of Frequency Fiends went. Like, Megavolt <laughs> was not was not a bad guy in that one at all, and they willingly teamed up. Do you think when the episode ended, Darping's like, see you later, Megavolt, and they just walked <laughs> away from each other, and that was it? <laughs> Because he had no reason to go to jail. So, yeah. like, there's no reason Darkwing would have, like, done anything at the end of that episode. Went back to his light switch hideout. It's like, later, Megavolt. <laughs> Bye, Darkwing. <laughs> See you next time. I'll try to be good. <laughs> so, I'll try to be good. <laughs> um, so, the, so Goslin mentions that um, the police radio says that Natmare is robbing the landfill. So, Darkwing says, let's get dangerous. And Megavolt says, I hate it when he says that. <laughs> so this is a great little bit of I mean you can't do timing in a comic but you you could try and when they and this this is good timing as far as a comic book goes. Natmare is like he's destroyed all these police cruisers. The police are running away in terror. He's monologuing about how great he is. Then the Thunderquack zooms up, swats him with a fly swatter and then flies away immediately. <laughs> yeah. No one spots the nightmare. Sylvania has a very interesting way of drawing the Thunderquack. Yeah. Doesn't look quite like the show anymore. It's got its own little personality. It's cute, though. Yeah. Okay, so this is my favorite scene in the entire comic. Like, just this next page coming up. And it is so unbelievably true to the show, I could even tell you which animation studio I wish would have done it. Um, <laughs> so they're on a building... Launchpad, Darkwing, and Goslin. Launchpad's trying to watch for Natmare from his binoculars, um, but they don't see Natmare. And Launchpad's like, I don't know. I don't think he's taking the bait. So Goslin screams, hey, Natmare, go get your shoeshine box. And the next three <laughs> panels are the same like scene. The first panel, Launchpad's like, nothing yet. But Darkwing notices a shadow looming over him. <laughs> the next panel... Launchpad's still looking through the binoculars, and a car falls on Darkwing. The third panel, Launchpad goes, hey, I see him. Ooh, he looks mad. (laughs) (laughs) And then he has to pull Darkwing's limp body out from inside the car. I totally see this in animation, the same studio to the end of Comma Chameleon with the the punch-drunk Darkwing slobbering all over the place. Yeah. I totally see it. Just the drawing of Darkwing and Launchpad's got to pull him out of the car. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here he comes, DW. I don't think he's in a good mood. And Darkwing goes, that makes two of us Launchpad. <laughs> uh, so how do they beat Natmare? So they hook up Megavolt to a giant... Um, I don't know, like a Tesla coil thing. That's what they look like. Yeah, and um, basically creating a giant bug zapper. <laughs> Megavolt is loving this. Yep. 
And well, it's like a bug zapper connected to the gas guns. Yes, Megavolt's powering it. Yeah. Megavolt is clearly getting off on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, they zap Natmare. And then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is such a great issue. Yeah. Um they say that that he's all right. Um and uh they say, "Oh, what about Megavolt?" like thinking that he possibly ran away, but instead they turn and they see he's like laying lying on the floor on his stomach with his feet up in the air like a girl <laughs> looking at the the um alternating currents monthly magazine and he says "Ooh, you sassy little plasma detector you <laughs> i don't know i want to be frank the centerfold looks very phallic to me <laughs> yeah totally but i'm not gonna question megavolt's taste i love the guy too much to really question his taste darkwing also does a yep 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 yeah we also skipped a uh, I am the terror. He says, I am the world's largest bug zapper, which isn't really, which isn't really like a, the usual thing he says, but it's still good. Yeah. So this is the last we're going to see of Megavolt in this comic. Oh, no. The next issue, he's actually in that one, too. But this is the last we're going to see of him, like, in this capacity. And he, he ends on a great line. Darkwing <laughs> says... He'd have had a promising career as a backup battery. And then Megavolt goes, or as a deus ex machina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. Which is a which is a Megavolt bit I bring up pretty often when talking <laughs> about these comics. Um, I kind of wish that it had ended there. Um, but there is like an epilogue. Um, Tiff, just what's our epilogue? So then it cuts to uh elsewhere in the suburbs of St. Canard and you see an artist and he's preparing to go to a comic convention notices that he's all out of ink and needs to order some but then you see like a postal truck drive up delivering something and he's says huh I must have ordered it last week and forgotten about it and when he picks up a piece of paper to read it you see that he has mysterious ink on his hand <laughs> and the note says if at first you don't succeed, rise, rise again. And as you as he slams the door and takes the package in, you see a familiar silhouette in the postal truck driving away. So this sets up two things. It sets up issue six. And it also sets up something we don't even end up getting because the comic got canceled. Um, who is driving the mail truck? I mean, obviously. <laughs> the phantom block. So at this point, they've officially retconned dangerous currency. <laughs> also, also, who is this artist? It's clearly supposed to be somebody specific. Um, do you want to say? Yeah, it's James Silvani. <laughs> and he, he must have dogs. There's no other reason yeah. there were dogs there. He must have dogs. And also, you notice his porch light is a pineapple. And his bushes look like palm trees. You, you do know where James Silvani lives, right? No, I don't. Hawaii. Nice. Yeah. So that's nice. And his um, he has a mug back there on his desk. What did you say that was? 
looks like it's the hat box ghost. Guarantee he actually has something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so a self-insert, but you know what? I think he's earned it. After toiling away at Boom for so long under Ian Brill, having to draw having to draw a dangerous currency and doing such a good job in this comic, I don't care that he inserted himself into the story. <laughs> um so it's cool. This is a this is a fantastic issue. On its own, it's one of the very, very best. Um, so that should give you some idea of what my rating is going to be. Uh, <laughs> before I go, Tiffany, what do you want to rate this one? Um, I would give it a four and a half. And nice. I would, and the only reason why I wouldn't say five is because in general, I don't like one shots. <laughs> Uh, you don't like one shot or you don't like one shot <laughs> one shot <laughs> what did you think about the whole ironic reference in the last issue um stan I, wasn't aware of it i was wondering if like i loved 90s references especially from like a 90s property so it was pretty good <laughs> <laughs> you do know that's not an example of irony right by you <laughs> Yeah, it's good. I know, because that's all anyone ever talks about with that song. <laughs> yeah, that's all I ever talk about when it plays. That's what I say. Um, I'm giving it a five, just because, like, I've, ne I've never felt the show in my soul more than when I've read an issue than this one. Like, I yeah. feel every line of dialogue. I, f I hear every sound effect, every musical sting that I, I can pull out of my memory since I know it's supposed to sound like Joe Pesci, I know what the villain's supposed to sound like. And Megavolt and Steelbeak's guest appearances just bring it over the edge. Everything about it works just like the show. Like, if someone can't pick up the trades and wants to pick up an individual issue, this is where I think you should start with Joe Books. And by yeah. all means, get Orange is the New Purple if you can get all three issues quick. But if you want one issue to start with, Go with issue four. That's my recommendation. Yeah. So I think we're in agreement with that one. Um, next issue, um, we're going to have Stan back because the next issue is a retelling of sorts of the first fluffy story from Disney Adventures. So since me and Stan discussed that one, we're going to do, he's going to come on so we can discuss this one too. I forgot, speaking of that, though, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about the cover. It's actually a wraparound cover <laughs> of a brick wall, and you see a trash can with Fluffy behind it. That's true. Now that you mention it, I actually can visualize that. But since I'm going off the trade, I don't have that one on me. Mines are all Mines are all in bags with boards and all boxed up. I'm going off my daughter's copy of the, the trades. So, <laughs> yeah. And they're all kind of beaten up, so it makes it easy just to grab them and reference them. I want my copies to be as mint as they can be. I know. It's always frustrating, but I actually have all my comic books with me, and all my trades are in storage. <laughs> so That's funny. I have to go off the individuals. See, my trades are, like, on my bookshelf for the rest of my books, but all my individual comics are just all in bag bags and boards, all in all in long boxes, all my Disney stuff, all my uh, got Ren and Stimpy, Animaniacs, a few other things. I don't collect superhero comics. I collect cartoon stuff. I got um, it. All. <laughs> let's not make this take too long. But do you have a mini review? Because I don't want it to end. Yes, hour. 
and it's not one that I want to talk a lot about. So that's perfect. <laughs> Beautiful. What is it? So I was going to shoot that I had three that I was battling because of this issue and how I always wanted to be somewhat related. Right. And so the three that I was picking from were going to be broadcast news right. or a duckophobia. Which and one did you pick? I'm going with is getting antsy. Okay. <laughs> you picked the one I'd be least interested in talking about. I know, right? <laughs> uh, getting antsy, which we dropped almost three years ago. Actually, um, I think when this drops, it'll be a few days past our third anniversary. Yeah, I figured that would be one that hadn't been talked about in a long time. So Yeah, it was one of our first ones. Um, so quick thoughts. Yeah, I really don't like it that much. <laughs> but um, I, one thing I do like is the stuff with Drake and Goslin. Those moments were great in that episode. I like all the mini golf stuff. Yeah, I think that there's good stuff in it. I I weird I think that it's it drags. It's a little too long. It would have worked better as like a 15 minute episode or something. Once Darkwing shrinks, the whole episode just becomes him flying around everywhere and getting chased by ants. Yeah, but I mean, be- cool the concept, like the actual story. If I like read it like in a screenplay or something, I would probably think it sounds awesome. Please, if this exact same script was done about midway through the season, it would have been a completely different episode. Yeah. The, the sun animation would have been better. They would have punched up the jokes a bit. The dialogue would have been funnier. Maybe yeah. they wouldn't even use the Lily Put. Maybe they would have used Quacker Jack. He wants to shrink buildings to make them into toys. Yeah, like the animation isn't that great. Lily Put isn't that great with this Charles Nelson Riley thing, but is it? It's Frank Welker, right? Yes. Yeah. They could have gotten Charles Nelson Riley. He's done some <laughs> cartoons. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's Frank Welker. The character is just goofy enough to be somewhat memorable, but yeah. he isn't. He isn't great. He's got the um, Gulliver's Travels reference. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, um, I mean, the episode is notorious in terms. Of, I mean, infamous really for being the earliest one by air date to do Hamburger Hippo. Oh yeah. And show Launchpad as like the food monster he would become. With like those are all <laughs> and he looks naked without that scarf. That's so I weird. I know. I mean, it isn't a terrible episode, but it's not it's it's an episode where it comes up so soon in rewatching it from air date order that I kind of dread it because it's like, oh, I gotta watch this one again so soon. I know. Yeah, like I'll do I'll do that sinking feeling. Darkly Dawn's a duck is fine. Beauty and the Beat is a great origin for Bushroot. Then I hit this one. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, this is so early. You could you could tell this is like one of the first ones they did. Totally. Because everything yeah. is just they're still finding themselves. You're right. Yeah. If it was the same episode but they did it later, it probably would have been a lot better. But it just isn't quite there. And yeah, it, for me it just like drags. And the Disney afternoon have done, has done so many shrinking episodes. It's like such familiar ground. And it's not even the best one to do it that way. Yeah, I mean, when he's small, you would imagine it being more like more like a jungle or something. But the backgrounds look really empty or something. <laughs> I think the best, still the best Disney show to do, oh my goodness, we're all shrunk. What are we going to do? Is the DuckTales one. 
Yeah, I agree. Because the TMS animation makes everything look so huge. They're, they're in a sewer. They're riding a pigeon. They're yeah. lost in the grass. I mean, Darkwing doesn't really even try in this episode. Yeah, it's like, it's not. <laughs> What'd you say? You can barely tell that he's shrunk. It's like not. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the Tailspin one is a little too stupid for a Tailspin episode. <laughs> and the Goof Troop one, when Pete becomes a fly, is also one of the lesser Goof oh, Troop yeah. episodes. That was he, really weird. And even Bonkers did one. Uh, Lucky got sick and became a tiny tune and got lost in the sewers. Um, so I guess this Darkwing one isn't the worst of them, but still, the DuckTales one is still the best. Micro yeah. ducks from out of space. It also was a, is an adaption of a Bark story, so how bad can you possibly be if you're adapting yeah. Barks? Yeah. I mean, there's stuff in the episode when they're trying to get Jaiwa to listen to them, and he's so huge and they're so tiny. It's just the animation <laughs> just sells it. Totally. Yeah. That one's really good. Yeah. Is, so I had to contrast it. The comic book was so good. I had to go with one of the worst episodes. <laughs> you keep you keep picking like bad episodes, though. But sometimes it's more fun to talk about bad episodes. <laughs> totally. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes it's, we could spend all day talking about something like Dead Duck. Yeah. But you pull out Getting Antsy or something like <laughs> All's Fahrenheit and Love and War. And I could probably talk longer about the bad ones because... The good ones are always talked about. Yeah, exactly. Everyone always talks about the good ones. <laughs> like, people have talked about time and punishment to death. Yeah. So, I'm glad you brought that one up. Because it's like, it's early, so a lot of people have seen it. But it's eh, it's not great. And I'm not a fan <laughs> of the yellow, the yellow sky. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is really an uncomfortable color. Yeah. Like, I don't know what they would do, what they would do in there. Um, all the daylight scenes, I think the sky is yellow, right? Yep, I think yeah. so. It's just Sun Wu got better. They got better, but this isn't. This is this is not good for them. Yeah. Um, already, like the beginning scene is like the worst of the whole episode. I feel like the animation is really bad at the. Sun beginning. Wu had a really hard time with Darkwing's face when they started. They they eventually nailed him, but at first they just they couldn't get his face right. Um. They were trying so hard to keep him on model in the old episodes, and then finally they're like, you know what? No, we we know how to draw him. Well, let's just do our thing, and they got it. Um, bef now, usually I don't recommend or plug anything. This really isn't a plug, and I'm, and this this podcast does not need my recommendation. But me and my wife have really been enjoying um, the Pod Meets World podcast. Um, obviously, it's a Boy Meets World podcast. Nice. But it's it's done by um, Daniel Fischel, Ryder Strong, and Will Friedle. Oh, cool. And they talk about every episode, and it's really, really great, episode by episode, but also episodes with the interviews and stuff. It's really fan. We've been watching the episodes of the show before we listen to the podcast. That's cool. It's a really great... I mean, if you grew up with Darkwing, you probably grew up with Boy Meets World. I'm going to make that assumption. I've got to, yeah, I've got to say my two cents about that. So, <laughs> Writer Strong was like my ultimate like crush back in the day. I was like I, obsessed with him, and I had posters of him all over my. I wall. I can see that. <laughs> and, <laughs> but then um, when I you know I grew up in L.A. and so it's like there's celebrity. Everyone lives in L.A. like all like actors and stuff. So yeah. I was like, oh, why can't I run into Writer Strong? And I was like. 
hoping to like forever and it just like wasn't happening i remember the hollywood christmas parade one year he was there but it's like he's in a on a parade float so i couldn't like say hi to him or anything they talk about that and then oh weird (laughs) (laughs) and then i was there (laughs) but yeah then um when i was 16 i saw him at a mall and i was like oh my god it's Ryder strong but he was uh hanging out with like a bunch of friends and i was like uh I'm too intimidated. I can't go up to him when he's with like all these people. So it was like, uh, okay, fail. And then after that, I, um, I was at this bar called the rainbow on sunset and I saw him then. And I, that time though, I was with one of my friends who's actually, um, related to, um, Ben Savage. So Uh I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. I'm with, (laughs) someone that he knows like he knew her so I was like now I'll definitely be able to meet him because I'm you know got my friend with me same thing though he was sitting at a table it was like a party of like 15 people so have you ever been able to meet him so yeah that's this is the the next one is okay my friend works at a bar and it always has like a ton of like famous people going to her bar all the time and um she called me and she's like Tiffany Ryder Strong's here. You got to get over here. <laughs> and I went and it was on my birthday. Nice. And, yeah. A few years ago, but I was dressed up as a, um, like an Oktoberfest girl. So I was in like this crazy costume and that time I actually met him <laughs> Cool. and he was really, really, really nice. Like super nice. And they, actually you know, out for a little bit. <laughs> they're really, they're really fun to listen to they just seem like nice normal people yeah <laughs> and uh you know it's, it's a great podcast i recommend it again if you grew up with disney afternoon you probably grew up with tgif um so i'm assuming all the 90s babies who listen to this podcast they listen to that one too a lot more professional than this one obviously it doesn't need our support but it's <laughs> great i really recommend that uh tiffany how can the fans get in touch with you um, on Instagram, I'm at Tiffany Silverbron and at Regurgitating Gertie. And I'm also on YouTube at CarneyTube and at Radioactivity. So I've decided to start making this quicker. We are the St. Canard Files. If you have a podcast app that you enjoy, we are probably on that. <laughs> I don't think I have to go name them all anymore. I think if you still listen, if you listen to us now, you've probably been listening to us. If whatever you listen to your podcast on, just we're, we're there. Um, and since I made that one short, uh, I guess everybody have a wonderful day. Uh, if you listen to us on your commute, enjoy. Uh, if you listen to us any other way, whatever, just everybody have a good day and stay dangerous.